Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Oxford Assembly of God podcast. If you have any questions, be sure to visit our website at oxfordag.org. And now, let's get into the message. I hope you're not getting tired of me speaking about the relationship we have with God. Matter of fact, I feel very strongly, it seems that the, the word for this year is relationship. It's all about our relationship that we have with God. It's all about the journey. Wednesday nights, we've been talking about the journey into prayer, how to develop our relationship with God. So relationships. The question is, so how do we know God? I think the question or answer would be, would jump to our mind would be, well, we spend some time with him. That's certainly a good answer, but really getting to know him. We need to constantly remind ourselves of this. That God knows you better than you know yourself. I said, God knows you better than you know yourself. And he loves you anyway. Isn't that amazing? My wife knows me better than anybody. She loves me anyway. I thank God for that. Loves me anyway. It's an amazing thing. When uh, Marcia and I, before we ever started dating, we went to the same uh, junior high school. Some of you remember back to those dark ages. But in the junior high school, we rode the same bus. So we were able to connect with each other before we ever started dating. And, you know, we reached a time that if I wasn't on the bus or she wasn't on the bus, the first thing they say, well, where were you? You know, we weren't trying to be nosy, but we just missed them because we were even just as friends, we were developing a relationship. Think about it, when Adam, when God was in the garden, Adam was in the garden, and Adam sinned, God went looking for him. God went looking for him. Why? Because they'd had a relationship. They had had a relationship. Of course, God created Adam. He created Eve. And the Bible tells us that he had had a relationship with them on a daily basis. He would go and talk with them, and they would talk with him. And one day, Adam didn't show up. For their date. He didn't show up for their meeting. And so God did what he always does. He went looking for him. Aren't you glad we serve a God that for God so loved the world that he gave, that he comes looking for us? And he went looking for Adam. He said, Adam, where are you? Now, how many knows God knew where he was? You know, if we have a God that knows where we are, if he created us, then guess what? He knows where you are. He's got your number. We need to understand that. He sees you. And so God went looking for him because he said, Adam, where are you? And the key was that Adam had to acknowledge where he was. Here I am. Hiding behind a fig leaf. Here I am. Hiding. And God immediately began a process to restore that relationship that had been broken. We could spend a lot of time on that. But that relationship was broken, and the first thing that God did was to give an animal sacrifice. Say, wait a minute, I don't remember that. Yeah, remember? He says he killed an animal and put the, gave them the skins to cover up their sinfulness. So God gave the first blood sacrifice in the Garden of Eden. Why? To restore the relationship that had been broken because God wanted a relationship with Adam. God wants a relationship with you. And he wants it more than just a casual relationship. And I hate to tell the world, he certainly wants it more than just a cursing relationship. He wants a relationship, a personal relationship with each one of us. If you go on a period of time, there's a guy by the name of Moses. See, 
God knew Moses before he was ever born. Matter of fact, he made provision for Moses before he was ever born. Now, the reason I mention that is he does the same thing for each one of us. He knows you before you're born. The Bible tells us that. But there had been an issue given by Pharaoh that all the babies, all the male babies would be killed. And Moses was born, and his mother said, this is a good-looking child. It takes after me, not his dad. And said, I want to keep him. I want to rescue him. But she knew that he was going to be killed, so she made an ark. Isn't that an interesting word? She made an ark. You'll be hearing that message before long. Made an ark because Moses uh, went in an ark. Noah went in an ark. Some of us are going to go in the ark we call the rapture that we're going to escape this place. There's going to be an ark. But she put that baby in the ark and placed him in the river. Amazing thing happened. The name Moses means out of the water. That's what the word Moses means. So every time that his nanny, now who was his nanny? His mama was his nanny. You need to read that story. It's a great story. But his mama became the nanny of him and raised him. And every time she said Moses, he would be reminded that he was taken up out of the water. He was rescued because of the ark. Now for 40 years he lived with his, his adopted mother, who was Pharaoh's daughter. Lived in Pharaoh's household. Had everything he could possibly have. All the riches that came along with that position. Some Bible scholars think that Pharaoh's only daughter was Moses' uh, mother. So he might have even been in line for the Pharaoh ship. We don't know that. But regardless, the whole time, he never changed his name. He was Moses. The one rescued out of the water. He was saved by being in the ark. Now then, there was a bleak time in Moses' life. See, Moses committed murder. And there went out an issue for his arrest. And so he left. Left Egypt, went into hiding. And for 40 years, he was in the wilderness. Forty years he was taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. Let's, let's read that story, just a little of it. In Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. That wasn't even his flock. Guy that left the palace. And even though he kept hearing the word Moses, one that's rescued from the water, I think you'd have to say he was in a bleak time in his life. Eighty years old. Tending a flock of sheep that wasn't even his. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now the word Horeb means desert or dry place. I think we could say that he came to a dry place. He was in a difficult place, a difficult time. Have any of you ever been in a difficult time? Any of you ever been in a dry place? Have you ever been there and you were wanting a relationship with God? Can I remind you that God knew where you knows where you are? He knows where you are and He wants to make that relationship greater, not weaker. 
But he was to the other side of the wilderness, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Sometimes we overlook that. That's a great part of the, the, the great miracle. The fire was no big issue. You know, fires burn every day. But there was nothing being consumed by that fire. And he was amazed by it. And it says, and Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. While the bush, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush. Moses, Moses, what do you mean out of the water? Moses, I've already rescued you one time. Moses, I've got something better for you. And I think that we can echo that today. God has something better for you than what you're going through right now. God is a great God. It says, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. God's waiting for some of us to say, here I am, Lord. That's an act of surrender just by saying, okay, here I am. That's what Adam had to say in the, in the uh, garden. Here I am, God. He says, here I am. And then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Now, we understand that. Some of us grew up in a situation or circumstance. We got the idea that God was a boogeyman waiting to strike us dead. That's not the true picture of God. God is love. God wants a relationship with each one of us. He wants a relationship with us. But Moses was afraid. He said, God, I've messed up. I've goofed. I killed a man, and here I am, 80 years old, and I'm not worthy. But then he says, take off your feet, shoes off your feet. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid of, to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. Some of you think that this COVID thing caught God by surprise. Some of you think that God doesn't understand. God knew it before it ever happened. Amen. And I wished he'd let me in on what's going to happen for a little bit. <laughs> but the reality is we don't know, but I know that God knows. And it says, and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Let me read that again. And I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Yes, Moses was in a bleak time of his life. He said, this bush began to speak to him or a bush that was burning but wasn't being consumed. And out of that bush, a voice. He says, who are you? Drop down to verse 13. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. He said, let them know that I am have sent you. We're blessed because we have the New Testament. We know the whole story. We know what God did to reestablish that relationship with 
uh, God and man. We understand that. We understand what the writer of Hebrews said when he says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Or Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says, I am who I am. It was not, I will be, or not, I was. He says, I was, I am, and I will be. Later on, another bleak time in Moses' life. He'd been up on the mountaintop. Remember, he'd start with that story, he was afraid of God. But after he had delivered the people of Israel, he went up on the mountain and God ministered to him. But while he was up there, the people got rebellious. While he was up there, while Moses was out of camp, and while he was gone, his church members... Boy, he had a rowdy bunch. His church members, led by his associate, his brother Aaron, made a golden calf and were worshiping it. Let's read that in Exodus chapter 33. Begin reading verse 11. 33, 11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face. Remember, he used to wouldn't even talk to him. Moses was afraid of him until he spoke from a burning bush. And he says, when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. And Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. Oh, man. If you don't get anything else from this message today, you know, to understand something, God knows you by name. God knows you. say, Pastor, you said that last week. Yeah, and I'll probably say it next week. I said the week after, because God knows you by name. He has a relationship. And Moses said, God knows me. He said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I've found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. What was God saying to Moses? Moses? He was reiterating to him that I am have sent you. He was telling him once again that I am with you. He was telling him once again, I will go with you. Nothing will happen upon you that I do not know. Now the question is, who is this I am? Who is this I am? Well, I want us to look at another illustration recorded by the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 63. Isaiah 63. Begin reading verse 1. Who is this who comes from Edom? Now Edom was the land where Esau settled. Esau was brother, of course, to Jacob. But he was not part of the nation of Israel. He was part of the nation of the Edomites. He says, or, or we would say he was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. And he says, and crimson garments from Bozrah, that was the capital city of Edom. He who is splendid in his apparel, marching the greatness of his strength. Who's he talking about here? Well, let's read on. It is I speaking in righteousness, mighty to save. Why is your apparel red and your garments like his who treads in the winepress? I have trodden the winepress alone and from the people no one was with me. I trod them in my anger and trampled them in my wrath. Their lifeblood splattered on my garments and stained all of my apparel. Who do you think it might have been talking about when he says, 
mighty to save. When he talks about the blood, well, let's look over to the end of the book and read just one verse. Just one verse in Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which is called is the Word of God. Roughly a thousand years, give or take a little, before Jesus was born. Isaiah said, there's one coming. And his lifeblood has been spattered on his garments, but it's not his. But he said, he is mighty to save. Mighty to save. His name is the word of God. His name is Jesus. Go back to that verse 1, 1, where it says, it is I speaking in righteousness, mighty to save. That's an interesting word. This is another description of a God or our God. Another description where he calls himself mighty to save. Now the word for mighty is interesting. That's a Hebrew word, rab, R-A-B. It's a Hebrew word. And as a noun, as a noun, this is what it means. It means chief or general. So he'd say, this is the leader of all the universe. He's not the leader of the United States military. He's not the commander-in-chief of America. He's the commander-in-chief of all creation, all the world. And this is God Almighty himself. His Rob, he is a general. He's the one. But now that same word that is used as an adjective, it's a word that is a descriptive word that means abundance or more than enough. Now, some of you are not getting this, but you need to understand something. Your God, your God, your God, my God is God that's big enough and he's mighty to save. He's mighty to save. It's amazing when Abraham sent Eliezer. He sent Eliezer to find a wife for Isaac. Out of Isaac was going to come Jacob, who was going to be the father of the nation of Israel. Esau's mother as well. But it was going to be Isaac, so he went to find a bride. He sent Eliezer to find a wife for his son Isaac. This would be the son that would be the mother over all Israel. And when he got there to where the lamb where Abraham had sent him, he said, okay, God, I need some help. Help me find the right woman to be the mother of Israel. Said, I want you to find the right one. And let's look at that scripture, Genesis chapter 24. I think you understand, I don't have time to read all these passages. We'd be here all day. But Genesis chapter 23, or excuse me, 24, verse 23. And he said, Please tell me whose daughter you are after you found the woman that came. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? And she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Melchot, whom she bore to Nahor. And she added, we have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. Now the word for plenty is that same word, Rob, R-E-B. We've got more than enough room. We've got more than enough provision. We've got more than enough whatever you need to take care of you. Now, again, you need to read that whole story. 
But some of you are wondering, can God really do what he says he would do? Can I let you know that we serve a God that's mighty and he's able to save? He's a God that is more than enough. That was that word. Said, yeah, we can take care of it. And then you read the rest of the story. And then that became the mother of Jacob. And we find that God was a God of more than enough. Another story. Going back to Moses. When they were out in the desert or on the journey, people began to say, well, I'm thirsty. Now, I don't know if they were typical like all of us. Any of you ever said, I'm thirsty, I'm about to thirst to death? And you realize, well, you know, you're really not that close to dying, but you, you think you are. But they were out there with no water, and their number of people, anywhere from two to six million people, plus their flocks, they were out of water. So Moses said, run down to Walmart and get a case of water. No, he didn't. Can you imagine when they went to speak to that rock or hit that rock? It said that was the water that came out. Now, just the, let's just use the low mountain, two million people. How many knows that's a lot of water? But then they fed, watered all their flocks. All their flocks. What was he doing? He was proving that he was a God that was more than enough. A God that was more than sufficient. Growing up, we used to have a few cows, just a five or six, that we had a pasture a little bit away from the house. It wasn't our land, but it had a water, had a water hole on it. But in dry weather, the water hole would dry up. And so we had to water the cows. We had a bathtub there. Bathtub don't hold a whole lot of water, not for cows. But when you've got to pump it with a pitcher pump, that's pretty big. And when you've got six cows waiting in line to drink it, I often thought, why didn't I let my brother come today? <laughs> just pumping that water, just pumping that water, filling it up. And they were waiting to drink. You were wore out. But not only did you have to pump it till they all got their thirst taken care of, you had to leave it full. I want to tell you something. Amanda said something about not knowing everything. You and I are limited in what we can do. Amen. We can only work that pitcher pump so long. Amen. We couldn't water two million people. We couldn't water their flocks. But we serve a God that's big enough that he can give us a God of more than enough. A God that is more than enough. But he was not just a supply. If you notice that scripture, it says a God mighty to do what? Save. To save. Mighty to save. That word mighty to save literally means to deliver. thought that's kind of neat when I read that a while ago. He is able to deliver you. 
You and I serve a God. We have a relationship as a Christian, as a child of God, to serve a God that is able to deliver us. It also means it's victorious in battle. So we need to understand something. You put those two words together. That we serve a God. We serve a God as a noun, a general that's able to take care of us. That he's able to give us more than an abundance. That our God is able to save. He is able to give us deliverance. See, the word for mighty is rob. means that he is mighty. He is God that is more than enough. Think about it. The God that saved Moses in the ark of the bulrushes saved him from the desert experience that supplied the water Every bit of that was to prove I am who I am. Not I will be, but I am. He is the mighty God. He is the mighty God to save. And he wants to know you in a relationship more than just a passing acquaintances. But as a father son as a father and a daughter yes he wants to be your general he wants to call the shots for your life he wants you to surrender him just a few weeks ago I did something that my family does every Christmas and I don't know how long we've been doing this but I watched one of my favorite movies White Christmas Many of you never watched White Christmas. If you've never watched right, White Christmas, you need to get a life. <laughs> Great movie. Great movie. And I can tell you, after I watched it dozens of times, when that retired general comes out there and they begin to sing that song, We'll follow the old man wherever he may go. I tear up. My eyes start leaking. Because they're so committed to that general that's human. They said, we'll follow you wherever. See, when you and I really connect and get a relationship with God, we'll not want to disappoint our general. We'll not want to hurt our general. We will want to do everything our general asks us to do. Because he's the commander-in-chief of the universe. And he knows you not by private first class. He knows you by name. And he is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. We serve a God that is able to save. We serve a God that's a God of more than enough, a God of an abundance. And if you flip over a page and read the last couple of verses, or not the last couple of verses, but the last two verses I'm going to share this morning, Isaiah 63, verse 7 and 8. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord. How many of you have been married more than 50 years? Several of you. <laughs> 
My wife and I just uh, did that last year. And we can recount many, many blessings that God has given us. But if you just married just a short period of time, you can still recount those great blessings that God has given us. He said, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great goodness to the house of Israel, and he has granted them according to his compassion, not according to if you deserve it. But I'm going to tell you, if you deserved it, you wouldn't get very much. But because of his compassion, according to his abundance, and what is our, our God is a God of abundance, a God of more than enough, abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who would not deal falsely. And he became their Savior. God Almighty. God that is mighty to save. A God of abundance. A God of provision. A God of love. And he wants to have a relationship with you. And you say, well, I've already got a relationship. Guess what? He wants that relationship to be better. He wants it to be better. Why? Because he's trying to get you ready to spend eternity with him. He wants your relationship to be that. A God that is able to save, to deliver. A God of abundance. I realize in congregation that's here and online, all of us are a different place in our spiritual journey. But I can guarantee you there's some in a dry place. I can guarantee you there's some in a dry place spiritually. And you need the water of the Holy Spirit to minister to you. There's some of you probably like Moses saying, God, I've been wondering and doing this, and when are you going to hear me? He said, Moses, I got you. I got you, Moses. I know you by name. Some of you just need that this morning. You need not God to reaffirm himself to let him, you know he knows where you are because he is an awesome God. A God that is more than enough. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And I'll ask you to bow your heads in prayer with me. Holy Spirit. We ask you to minister by your power. Speak to your people. That you know better than they know themselves. Speak to them. Encourage them. Minister to them. God, there's some that's in a dry place. They need provision. There are some that are hurting. They just need, need you to reach out and touch them. Bring comfort to them. And God, there may be some today that they've never established a relationship with you. And that you're wanting to do that. You want them to know that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him would not perish but have everlasting life. God, there's some that you want to reveal and tell them that you are the great I am, that you're not in the past, you're not just in the future, but you're right here today. So Father, we ask you to minister by your power and strength. 
In Jesus' name. We're going to sing this chorus. And if we want to pray with you and pray for you. But I also want you to pray for yourself. And just surrender and ask God to help your relationship with Him. Now, if you need special prayer, we'll have someone up here in front to pray with you. If you need to give your life to the Lord, if you'd like to come forward, and we know the social distancing, we, we try to honor all of that. But if you're here and would like somebody to pray with you, we're here. We also know that God can meet you right where you are. He's a supernatural God. The great I am. The commander-in-chief in the entire universe. Thank you for listening to the OAG podcast. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God Church, be sure to subscribe to our podcast or visit our website at www.oxfordag.org. That's O-X-F-O-R-D-A-G.org.